0: We have a sure. host co-host. In the
1: reading of it, it's the technology often is something that we have to address and so we have to be patient as okay. we move between technological platforms. <laughs> the I just moved
2: through regular goodness <laughs> I'm still in the last century.
3: Okay. Uh, the recording has started.
2: Okay, um good afternoon everyone. Welcome to the Civic Design Review Committee. This is July 17th, 2023, and it's 201. And I'd like to ask for roll call, please. Uh,
3: Commissioner Stryker. Present. Commissioner Brenzel, absent. Uh, Commissioner Carney? Present. Uh, Commissioner Collins? Present. Commissioner Schneer. <laughs> Here. Commissioner Shioda, absent, and Commissioner
2: Rothschild, present. Uh, Sorry, we have quorum for today's meeting. Thank you. And I'd also like to welcome a new committee member um, that is Commission President Chuck Collins. So, welcome, Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Collins, to our committee. Uh, welcome to the Civic Design Review Committee hybrid meeting. The meeting will be conducted as a hybrid meeting to allow public comment and public access to the Civic Design Review Committee meetings, either remotely or in person in room 125 at the War Memorial Veterans Building located at 401 Van Ness Avenue in San Francisco. Um, this meeting is being held in person and by teleconference. Today, the Arts Commission meeting is being streamed using the WebEx platform and will allow for remote viewing and public comment. While this technology allows individuals to join the meeting remotely, it may not be as seamless as we would prefer. There will be gaps and delays as staff transitions the technology between speakers. Please know we're doing our best and we ask for your patience. I want to remind us of the policies and procedures for public meetings, At this meeting, we're bound to follow the structure of our agenda and adhere to the best practices set out in the good government guide at every public meeting. There's a place for general public comment where members of the public may comment on any item pertaining to this body. In this case, please keep your general public comments to the items under the purview of the San Francisco arts commission. For every item on the agenda, there's also a space for public comment pertaining to that item. Respectfully, we ask that you keep your public comment on the topic, and each public comment is list, uh, limited to three minutes. Public comment will be taken both in person and remotely via WebEx. For each item, the Commission will take public comment first from people attending the meeting in person and then from people attending the meeting remotely. However, there have been some slight system updates to provide public comments. Therefore, please listen closely to our updated public comment instructions that will be provided by program associate Paris Coates shortly and last a few virtual meeting housekeeping items for the public and staff joining remotely. Please mute your microphones to minimize background noise. When you speak, you'll have to unmute yourselves. Please speak directly into the microphone and introduce yourself when you speak. So others on the phone will know who's talking. I now ask our program associate Paris Coates to give public comment instructions now. Uh, For members of the public joining in person who wish to comment
3: on agenda items. Once you are called on, you'll be asked to voice your comment at the podium. Uh, we will provide you with a blank public comment card and you're recommended but not required to fill out this card which will be included in the minutes you may also make a public comment through the Webex platform when you click the Webex link you will then be prompted to enter the following information first and last name and email these fields are required however if you wish to remain anonymous you may type public in the first and last name fields and public at public.com in the email field Please ensure that you are in a quiet location and that all devices around you are muted so that there is no echo when you speak. At the appropriate time, the chair will request public comment. For members of the public using the WebEx link, please click the hand icon to raise your hand. This will place you in the public comment queue. When it is your time to speak, you will be unmuted by the moderator, and when your time is up, you will be muted. For members of the public calling by phone that wish to make a public comment, When the public comment period opens, press star three to be added to the speaker line. When your microphone has been unmuted, you will hear us ask you to state your name and comment. You're encouraged when required to state your name for the record. I will start your three minutes when you speak using a visual timer. You will also receive a 30 second audible warning. And when your time is up, I will say, caller, your time is up. Then you'll be placed on mute and moved out of the speaker line. We will pause briefly before closing public comment to ensure that no other commenters are seeking to speak on that item. Participants who wish to speak on other agenda items can remain on the line and listen for the next public comment opportunity. Anyone who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting can send a summary of the comments to be included included in the minutes. If it is 150 words or less to to paris.coats.sfgov.org. The summary may be rejected if it exceeds the prescribed word limit or is not an accurate summary of the speaker's public comment public comment instructions will also be shared on the screen during each public comment period Uh, commissioner striker please proceed with the meeting when you're ready
2: okay thank you i'd like to start the meeting by reading our land acknowledgement statement The San Francisco Arts Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramaytush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula area. As the indigenous stewards of this land, and in accordance with their
0: tradition, Is there any general- Um, We'll be taking in-person public comments
3: first. So for those joining in-person, please proceed to the public comment podium. And for those joining remotely, please raise your hand if you're listening via WebEx. If you're calling by phone, press star 3 to be placed in the public comment queue. Uh, We're currently on item 2, general public comment. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking. You'll see a visual timer on the screen and receive a 30-second audible warning before your time concludes. Then you'll be muted once your time is up. You may stay on the line if you would like to speak on other items. Anyone who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting can send a summary of the comments to be included in the minutes if it is 150 words or less. It's parasitcodes.sfgov.org. And at the moment, we're seeking in-person public commenters Is there anyone who would like to make a public comment on the current agenda item? Okay, Um, now I'm seeking comments from those joining us remotely. Um, Is there anyone that would like to make a public comment on the current agenda item? Looking for raised hands, I don't see any online. Um, Public comment is now closed.
2: Okay, thank you. We're going to move to item number 3, and that will be the gene friends recreation center phase 2. this project's been previously reviewed on October 15th, 2018. Um, so team, are you ready? And while you get ready, I just want to make a comment to my colleagues. Um, your commissioners, your perspective is so important in reviews. Um. And this helps our our teams develop their projects and so your constructive feedbacks why we're here and i'm asking if maybe we can start to think about the time frame that we make our comments in and try to hold our comments within a succinct uh, period so if you feel the need to come back in a discussion to talk about a, a comment that you may have made before or respond to someone else's comment um great. We want to hear about it. But I just want you to raise your hand so that we can make sure that the flow of conversation continues and we can stay on a a good time frame. So, team, are you ready? Okay. As soon as the tech is ready. <laughs> All right. Right. You're ready. You've been ready for days.
3: Um and I'll just remind you team, you have 20 minutes to present. Um and I'll give you a three-minute warning.
2: And also, commissioners, this item, um, as you know, was seen at Phase One about four four and a half years ago. So it's had some changes. We now have a completely different design team. So um, it's coming to us at Phase Two. We'll we'll hear what they have to say. There's some changes in site plan, etc. So we'll be looking at it.
0: Fresh about the store. Yeah, so fill us in.
4: Yeah. Good afternoon, commissioners and arts commission staff. My name is Melinda Stockman Sullivan. I am the project manager for this project that's a gene friend recreation center project, and this is the phase 2 design development review. I've been working on this project for many years and uh, I don't want to take too much of the 20 minutes. But I do think it prudent to spend a few minutes talking about the project background as well as why the large gap in time. So I'm mostly going to focus on that. Then I'll turn it over to a senior associate from our Cavanier associates. Felicia Dunham also wanted to point out. Briefly, that um, we are joined uh, here uh, in person by Kurt Stubbins from our Cavanere Associates, as well as Jasmine Kaw, our landscape architect from San Francisco Public Works, and Claudia Rodriguez from her team. And we're joined remotely by Eliza Koshland from Cuthrenierius Architects, as well as my supervising project manager, Noah Levy, is joining online. This project is a joint venture between Mark Cavinier Associates and Kuthrynieri Architects. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so I want to um the Gene Friend Rec Center is an existing rec and park facility in the heart of the South of Market neighborhood at Folsom and Sixth Street. Uh, if, yes. Something. Oh, the light. Thank yes. you. Great. Wonderful. Thank you, Commissioner Schneer. The the park is approximately one acre, and the existing building is about sixteen thousand five hundred square feet. Uh, there's a single basketball gym here, an auditorium, a kitchen, a weight room, outdoor court. Uh, playground and grassy area. Here are some images of the existing site uh, this is looking down 6th street at the current main entrance. This is looking at the Harriet street here and Folsom street here, looking at the landscaped area and you can see uh, the, the building itself here. This building is often mistaken as a another automotive uh, repair facility or. Even a detention facility, a lot of folks don't know it's a park. this is one of our um, main drivers for this major facility overhaul. So planning for this project started back in 2014 in partnership with the Trust for Public Land. At the time, we were working with a design team led by WRNS Studio. Uh, that the funding for that design. Through concept design only, and so we're required at the city to do a full request for proposals for a new design team. Um, We engaged in that uh, a while ago, and I'll I'll talk more about that. Um, But just a little bit of why the delay, right? So we presented phase one in December two thousand eighteen, and we also went to Reckon Park uh, right around then for the concept design approval. But we waited for about a year for environmental review to be completed. By the planning department, so that's why our concept design was approved in 2019. Uh, we were thinking that there would be a bond measure uh, for parks funding in uh, November, 2019 that was pushed back a year to November 2020, which had funding available in early 2021. so it's essentially, even though we had some funding for design, we wanted to know that we had funding in hand for construction and a full budget before going too much further. So we, um. Brought the new design team of our company associates architects on board in March 2022. I do want to highlight that um, the design team has done extensive work picking up from where the previous team left off, um, you know, egos at the door. Let's build on this and let's figure out what, what can be even better. And then we engaged in a fairly large scale value engineering effort soon after the design team came on board in spring of 2022. Uh, we realized that we were were over budget, and so that was an opportunity to look at um, how can we keep everything that was approved by this commission and our Rec and Park Commission, the, the spirit of it, uh, the design principles, and the programmatic spaces, and how can we build a more efficient building and and look at some other options. Uh, this project also has what's called CMGC contracting, which you may have seen from some other. Public works projects like the Southeast uh, community center, the PUC project. So the contractor is actually already on board, providing cost estimates and constructability. Uh, we're working with Swinnerton builders and that's been really successful. Um, but just want to frame the presentation that we're doing our best to show you the materials we'll be using um, that. We do anticipate a little bit more value engineering. Uh, we'll talk about that, but we're trying to. Have as much of that be a back as house as possible. So we anticipate construction start in early 2024. Uh, we anticipate being back to you for phase 3 review, probably this November. And then these are the kinds of coordination that we're doing, which I know you all are familiar with a lot of this, but, um, just kind of balancing the, the aesthetic quality input that we get on the design side from you with all of these other areas of, um, our staff, making sure they can maintain the facility, um, disability access review. Of course, Uh, we have environmental issues. This is in the Mahar zone. So. Working with the Department of public health PG&E power and timelines, everyone's favorite and, of course, cost estimating along the way and permitting. So, this is these are some renderings from the phase 1 review again with the, the previous design team. I'm just going to highlight briefly the main uh, design intent were to bring the existing building to the corner of Folsom and 6th and have this large mass of the double court gymnasium really be a light box and, um, you know, connect the indoor and outdoor and be really welcoming to the street. And we have 2 multi multi-purpose rooms in this design. Uh, We did have a 2nd, a small 2nd floor in this design, which has since been value engineered. And um, we're really happy with the new design. Our team is also happier that it'll be easier to maintain. Uh, we'll talk more about that. Um, we have two multi-purpose rooms, a weight room, a kitchen, and then a whole new envisioned um, landscape. So the key elements when we brought on the d- design team, and this came up as part of the RFP interview process, even the the uh, original design team of WNS Studio. Brought some things to our attention in terms of just the program, uh, the spatial. It's a little bit alarming. Okay. (laughs) Um, so we 1 thing that we're going to give you a heads up on is that this design shows the main entrance of the building moving from 6th street to Harriet street. Um, and. We are excited about that move. There will be doors opened for staffed times and for big events, but. Since the beginning of this design, um, having a single point of entry to the building has been really desired by the community and our team. Uh, We have after school program there every day. Uh, We have underserved communities and it was really prioritized to have a safe and secure space for the youth. Uh, We also looked at clear lines of sight from the reception. uh, Making the building 1 story to significantly improve security and safety. And then the uh, 1 of the big ones is consolidating the outdoor play area and landscape. And so, um, Felicia, will talk more about that. We wanted to have a space really good sight lines and then also a lot of gathering uh, gathering and plaza space in the security. And then ma- balancing the daylight in the gym to avoid glare and then also being sustainable. So, with that, I will turn it over to Felicia and I'm trying to be succinct and happy to answer more questions.
0: Thank you. So, this is showing that, <clears throat> excuse me, the concept
5: that was shown that that was um, presented here um, at phase 1, it shows the single point of entry on 6th. Um, 1 of the initial comments that came back from wreck and park was that that they, they really, really wanted to maintain a single point of entry, but that the sight lines throughout the rest of the facility were were not working in this scenario. In addition, the 2nd floor uh, that has a small 2nd floor was was difficult for them to supervise. Um, also, we wanted to take into account the comments that were received during that <clears throat> phase 1 review, uh, the thought of. Ex- that we might need to explore alternate materials uh, due to cost, which turned out to be true. Um, a, a desire to have a more welcoming entry was something that we were embracing as well as um, study. For lighting <laughs> so the elements that were maintained was that light box element at 6 and full a taller. Um, brighter element, which still houses a 2 court gymnasium, just as in the phase 1 concept. Um, the gymnasium has windows around the top to provide ample natural light throughout as well as some skylights on the roof. The landscape area, it, we maintained the single point of entry as mentioned and moved to Harriet street. The landscape has been consolidated into 1 space instead of divided into 2 for better supervision also to make it more flexible for day to day programming and community festivals. And there's a walking loop to support um, use by seniors on the site. So this is the new floor plan site plan um, the, with the single point of entry on Harriet. The reception there can look into the gymnasium, can also look out into the out into the park, across to the multi-purpose rooms. The multi-purpose room facing the park, which is used by the after school program, has very good um, ability and sight lines all across the outdoor areas, and the the walking loop surrounds the the play area. So from a design concept, um, it's a, it's a double volume it's all on one story, but the gym is a double volume space surrounded that's wrapped by a single story. The gymnasium has a series of vertical windows that surround the entire upper portion of the gymnasium to provide light all the way around, as well as skylights on the top. The sun is screened by metal louvers that are um, that shade those windows and will provide differentiating at different times of day, but prevent the glare from getting into the gymnasium. Then that metal louver element then also reappears as as part of the metal fencing. Uh, so it's as if you took a so- section at the lower and just slid it back on either side and revealing the activities within the gymnasium. This is an elevation from 6th Street. The renderings show the The design concept a little bit better, but so I'll go through these fairly quickly, but this is showing the the double height gymnasium
0: and the single story and then the fencing around the play area. This is from Folsom again, the idea to provide a lot
5: of transparency at that at that 1st floor level uh, for. Visibility of activities inside. And this is from Harriet showing the new entry and. uh, um, multi-purpose room and gymnasium. Uh, not gymnasium, uh, the um exercise room are on the right, with the other multi-purpose room on the left and the play yard. So this is from the corner of six and folsom. The on the applied to the glass, there's a, a gradient strip that um provides some privacy. It was the stakeholders expressed a need for privacy, not just people looking in, but being able to see what's outside. So um Still wanting to provide some visibility but a little bit of privacy uh, there's a gradient frit on the glass and here you can see the louvers around the upper portion of the building this is the new entry on harriet um, a pair of large swinging gates open fully when they, when the um, facility is open but then close fill it fully to secure the facility at night and it has a configuration also where the park can be used at times when the facility is not,
0: this is the corner of Harriet and Folsom and that's a view of the exercise room. This is looking up from 6th down onto the site, uh, looking at the play area. This is from standing within the, the, um, in the outdoor park, looking back toward the building. Through the play area, there's a strong connection between the multi purpose room on the
5: park side, which we're affectionately calling the park room, um, where the multi where the, um, after school programs are held. So they have very good visibility out to the park and can see what's going on there with the. With the children, this is looking back at that park room from outside. From a space that then so that park room can spill out into the outdoor courtyard to make it more flexible, especially for larger community gatherings. Uh, this is um, some of the materials that we envision. The gymnasium will have a wood gymnasium floor, the structure paint, painted a bright yellow, um, as well as we have gray stucco on the upper portion, some concrete, some metal panel. Um, Corrugated siding, as well as flat panel
0: siding, and some glass and louvers. Uh, it's a small site, so there is limited opportunity
5: for landscape. But we have landscape around the edges uh, facing the street behind the fencing to
0: to give a welcoming um, park-like feel to that portion of the site. And this is just a list of the plants. And of course, we have Jasmine Kah here available and Claudia Rodriguez to answer any
5: questions specific to the plants. The plants were very closely coordinated between um, Bureau of Landscape Architecture and Rec and Park um, to make sure that they were uh, water wise, maintainable, and, and durable to
0: um, use by children. This is just another view of the play structure currently envisioned for the site.
5: There'd be a combination of accessible features and. As well as the the ones that are not accessible. Uh, we're hopeful that we can incorporate some, uh, adult exercise equipment in the site as well. Uh, this again, that's. That may be a budget constraint, but that is the goal for the project as well. We're hopeful that we can incorporate some, some wooden benches on the, on the concrete site walls um and and picnic tables there'll be a picnic area as well uh, we have for our um part of our water management stormwater management is uh, pervious concrete paving around the site uh, we can't infiltrate as one of our bmps uh but we are we're required to provide some pervious a mix of pervious and impervious so in our case all of the site paving will be pervious concrete Thinking about lighting at night, the, the lighting is purely for security. The park is not intended to be used at nighttime, but we have a series of lights on the building that will provide some security and visibility into the landscape at night. Um, the lights along you see along the half court there are intended to um,
0: allow you to see through the site as opposed to just looking out into the darkness. This is a view of from inside. Uh one of the opportunities for
5: public art, the the prior main opportunity that was identified was on the gymnasium wall inside the inside the court here. Uh, indoor locations were preferred over outdoor locations for their maintainability. Um, and also from visibility. This is if you're standing outside on Folsom, you can still look through the gymnasium and see the art from outside as well as from inside.
3: I have about three minutes remaining.
5: Uh, that's good timing then, because I think this was my last slide <laughs> and just a view at night as the intent to provide a very welcoming, friendly, um. facility where where people know that it's a rec center as as Melinda mentioned 1 of the 1 of the barriers to people using the site right now is people don't know that it's public. It's surrounded by a fence. It's not open all the time. And when we met with neighbors, they were very interested in their their questions were like, well, when is it going to be open and when can our kids use the park and they were very excited about the idea of having it open, even when the park open, even when the rec center was not, I didn't mention on the plan, but we are providing exterior restrooms for the park for those situations when, when the building is closed. that's it. Okay, thank
0: you. Thank you. Might need
2: some light. Thank you for that.
6: Um, commissioners comments, I'm happy to go 1st, uh, okay. So, um. I heard a fair amount of conversation about, uh, value engineering. Um, and so a couple of things about the bars. I noticed that the bars, uh, cover, uh, opaque service, uh, and that they also wrap. All the way around and I mean, they're beautiful, but. Um, it'd be a question of, oh, uh, you know, what are they. Uh, protecting,
5: um, uh, well, the louvers are providing screening for those windows. On on the upper level, so that you're speaking of the screen that runs around the top here.
6: Yeah, but but the, there's only those vertical punch windows. Is that correct?
5: And all the way around, yes, they go all the way around. Yeah.
6: So, but mm-hmm. there's, uh, the extent of the vertical bars and. Is way more than the coverage for the actual window, so it's just a question of bang for your buck. And I, I mm-hmm. love those, and they remind me of the Mark Cabanero project in Mission Bay, um, but that one, those bars are uh, covering glass, so it's just a question. Um, okay. And then just throwing it out there, and also obviously it goes around all four. Uh, Orientations, and
3: you commissioner, could you speak into the
6: yeah, so you wouldn't obviously need them on the north but though I get the design intent uh yeah the, in the south of market, as you know,
5: the north is actually on a diagonal, uh-huh so where north is exactly yeah <laughs> no, i understand confused. our design team gets confused sometimes just talking yeah. about it because what's yeah. north,
6: what's true north plan yeah. north i understand um, yeah, I saw the north. So- yeah, I saw the north era, yeah absolutely um. And then I, I guess another question about the vertical bars is, I, I appreciate uh, how it's, uh, enclosing the mass of a double height volume. Um, but I'm not sure if it, uh, needs to be on again, maybe a value engineering thing and also a strength of this white box. If it needs to be on the parapet of the, uh, 1 story, um, you know, maybe the, uh, the double height mass with the vertical bars would read as a stronger piece if it was divorced from the single uh story uh just a thought and again, maybe a value engineering thought
5: no that's a very good thought because I, it must be our drawings aren't reading very well because we actually are not proposing any louvers on the one story portion
6: okay I thought it was yeah I thought they were on the there
5: the, yeah there is there, the path, we are proposing corrugated metals so it's oh, okay. possible that, that oh, as louvers no I mean, it's our bad okay no,
6: <laughs> no I understand okay that makes sense that makes sense uh and then just in terms of the color, and this is super subjective again, I love Mark Cabanero's work, uh. Such a great, uh, you know, uh, con- contributor to the city, but, um, just in terms of the idea of the structure being yellow, uh, you know, 1 idea is again, the bars. At, and I don't say that in, a, um, punitive way, <laughs> you know, but the bars, they do have a certain, uh, you know, uh, in- enclosure that. Feels very tight. And more, uh, uh, you know, uh, so anyway, maybe the, maybe the structure is not color, but maybe the bars are color or, or something like that. Just to again, lighten up the vocabulary of of the bars. Um, then 1, I know I'm taking a lot of time, but, uh, you're t- you t- oh, sure. Of nice.
4: course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just try to keep it uh, concise. But so we actually initially showed the whole uh, facade as yellow. The, uh-huh. the. The corrugated metal panel on the 1st floor, Uh and we shared that with the community and, um, folks brought up the really high vehicle corridor air pollution exposure zone Mm -hmm. to us. So we studied a couple other colors like a, a sage green and then this gray and then that's why the yellow was brought in. Inside to be sort of a, a cheery, you know, let welcoming, uh-huh. but it's really funny because when we did the neighbor site walk also to let folks know, hey, we're planning to put the entrance on your street uh-huh. and we mentioned the yellow to them as well. And 1 of them shared that their building had been painted yellow and they repainted it. So, um, but, but I, I uh-huh. a comment is well taken, but that that was the kind of our, a little bit more behind the curtain on the process. for the sure.
6: Absolutely. There's always lots of reasons. And then, uh, again, the, uh, just the, um. The uh the frit, the gradated frit. And I, I feel like our our jail has given graded frit kind of a bad rap. Um and just again with the bars and the gradated frit, I'm just wondering if there's a different way to somehow uh you know, be provide that gradation. Maybe it's more colorful, more maybe more playful. And I'm not talking, you know, mm-hmm. primary school, but to something okay. more okay. Um okay. and uh I think that's it. Thank you. Those are good
7: comments thank you.
0: Okay. All right, well, thank you
8: very much. It was a very clear presentation. Um. I'm, I didn't, I wasn't here in 2018, so I didn't know the the history of it, but I'm thrilled that you put the building back on the corner. Um, to me, that's how cities are defined is by strong urban edges, strong corners and suburbs are defined by parks. So I'm glad that you've fixed that that backwards arrangement. Also, um, I hated the um, current building from the day that it went in because of that fortress like look and never understood how it happened. So I'm also thrilled that that is leaving and it's wonderful to see the building um, will hold all the urban edges and that the edge is transparent and well lit as well. And I also had a question about the, the frit, and I was also thinking of that jail on Bryant street. And um so I was wondering if it could maybe be stripes or dots or something else, but the foggy look on the on the jail is it looks like overspray from a paint company. And um as I walked around the site over the weekend, I couldn't help but notice all those huge, glorious palm trees. And none are in your scheme. So um what's happening to the palm trees? Can they be replanted elsewhere in the city or can they be sold to a palm transplant company or something so that they are reused and not killed.
4: Sure, thank you commissioner for your comments uh, and uh, some community members also had asked about the palm trees since they're fairly significant, not fairly. They are significant. So we looked at the possibility of keeping them, but it's a full demolition. So that would be difficult. We also looked at transplanting them either on site or another site um, is actually fairly costly and our, our staff in terms of keeping them on site. Our staff also. Um, Especially with the construction in South, the market have had a lot of rodent problems. So the rodents actually nest in the canopy. Uh, so at this point, um, we are kind of future planning, um, the Maher. Ordinance requires that we take out the top, um, 18 inches of soil. So short answer is, we, we have not found a good way to sell them or transplant. them.
8: I thought the transplant companies actually came and dug them up. Prior to any construction, yeah. so they just cleared them away from the site. Then you could do what you needed to do.
4: Correct. And I can, I can get more information if that's helpful on the research. Um, and the they'll
0: take them for free. Right. Okay. Commissioner okay, <clears throat> uh,
9: yeah, the, the design is really lovely and I congratulate you on that. Um. And, uh, both, uh. Uh, Mark and Cuthinary uh, do great work, so it's nice to have a project of this caliber coming to us. <clears throat>
0: um,
9: I had a question about. Um, I, I also have the, the same issue about the gradient, Fred, but even more so than that, I'm a little concerned. Particularly, Sixth and Folsom is a very active corner, a lot of heavy traffic, and to have, you know, people working out or in the gym in. and then the aren't, aren't they going to be bothered by all this traffic zooming by all the time? I'm I'm a little concerned about that aspect with all of the glass in terms of what's going on inside. I like the inner, you know, the outside inside, bring it, bring it in or bring it out. I, I understand that. But I'm also wondering if. 6th and Folsom with all the traffic, there is the best place for that type of thing. And is there a way to create. More privacy at different points, just asking you to take a look at that. Um, that's uh, 1 of the things and then, um. The oh, uh, how, how
0: was their access to the park when the facility is closed? I didn't see that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, here we go. So here's here's the entry. Right.
5: Two big swing. Gate swings. This closes stop. Mm-hmm. And this is and swings across here. So you can only enter lobby and then go up. That's.
4: That's,
0: um,
4: that's by design. That, yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. Right, it. right. In the park. When that facility is closed, this gate swings 180 degrees. You can walk right into the park. Ah. Uh.
5: Restrooms are right here, right adjacent to the area. Ah, okay. So outdoor restrooms only; they're all gender restrooms. Right, just open when the park, when the when the rest facility is closed. Because there's a rather large restroom up here that serves the entire facility, but only when it's open.
4: Okay, and there is a partition in the, there is a partition in each restroom, but um, we envision they will be physically opened, and that feet would. There'll be visibility in through the partition for monitoring. Ah,
9: okay. Um, the other question about the play area, you have the 2 different structures. I assume 1 for the smaller children 1 for the larger children. Is that a correct assumption?
4: So, um, we did a a lot of outreach with the community specific to the playground design and because it's mostly school age children who are using this site. Um, there was a desire to not have the really separated out areas. So the the main play structure um, is envisioned to accommodate school age kids, okay. and then we're also looking at some timed use where in the mornings caregivers could come with younger kids, and then and then but then the other pieces you see that blue kind of disc swing yeah, the, and standalone pieces those were really designed to be flexible so that they could accommodate a tot or two but also sometimes you see a group of eight year olds get on there or ten year olds. Right. Okay, and answer my so, question. Yeah, because I was trying to wonder how you were dealing
9: with the younger and older children. So you've answered that question. Um. And then, uh, there's another rendering you did that shows an adjacent building to the park. I believe, um, if you could. Oh, yeah, I, I saw it there, but just before this, I think
4: at the lower level of the, yeah,
9: beach. there's, um, as you look out from the gymnasium and the multipurpose room out there, Looks like there's another building that it uh, that it butts up to. Uh, that one, there you go. Where the where you have the trees.
5: Yeah, that's the neighbor.
9: Right. And question is, how does that interact with the park and stuff? Who who is the neighbor? How how does that how does that work with, uh, with the park and the recreation
4: center? Uh, so thank you. So, so that neighbor is an an auto body shop. That's address 246th Street. The city is actually looking to possibly acquire that property. And so we're currently doing environmental investigations. Um, we can't hold up the project timeline for this, but we are trying to plan as best as we can, because that would likely be an open space and the building would go away. So, how that would interface with this project is being looked at.
9: You're, you're hoping to expand the park into there. Correct. Okay. Great. I was just curious how it was all working together. It's it's just a blank concrete wall. Yeah. I, 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 I. that's what it looked like, but I just <laughs> wanted to ask the question because you never know. Um. Yeah, those are my questions. Thank you.
0: Thank you.
9: Thanks.
1: Thank you very much for your presentation. Um. So, who will operate the and how will the operations of the park occur? Yes, um, so it goes to a few questions that I want to make sure of. There was a lot that was to be learned from Bodecker park um which in many ways was a great vision but the operational aspect of it the issues of child safety the issues of population mix um, is still something that has to be managed very deeply how have you and what community input did you receive that you mitigated um, to ensure that the population because it's a public park and there will be children of all ages and stages And so that goes to both the building and the operations who will operate. The park,
4: correct? Thank you. So, reckon park will operate the park. Um, we have partner agreements with community organizations to run the after school program. And also, we do permit um, the basketball gym currently to the Bessie Carmichael elementary school. So, we have partnerships, but unlike some of our other facilities, we don't have any core tenants. Like, we don't have. A YMCA or a youth survey organization um, manage the site. So we will have our we have rec staff and we currently have three recreation staff and then they work in close partnership with community organizations, um, primarily United Players and the West Bay Filipino Multi-Service Center for the programming of the site. And then we have additional programs like we're still coming online post-COVID, but we've had senior ballroom dancing, uh, Zumba, other programs like that. So we have worked extensively with those core community members and the friends of Jean Friend and Victoria Manolo Draves. And we've done a lot of community meetings. And when we we're doing the concept design, the Trust Republic Land also did some focus groups. Um, since then we've looked, you know, at the playground design with the core stakeholders, and we've done a couple meetings. And then because there's so much change over in the neighborhood, as you mentioned, we met with Harriet street neighbors, um, we did a, a posting just to that block to let folks know um, where we were with design and that we were planning to have the main entry be on that street. Uh, we also have a community member here today to make public comment.
1: So it's very helpful. Um, you mentioned several community partners. That's the, the rub of the question. Is because of technology of, you know, all of those provisions that. Are required to go with partnership. How have you addressed them? I will be 1 more technology. Specific question. Please sorry. Okay. So, each partner that comes in has its own operating requirements. Correct so how those overlapping um, partnership requirements, the underlying infrastructure, the safety issues risk. Things such as that, each one of them brings its own um, element of program and overlap. And so if we looked at Bodecker Park, it was under-resourced in terms of technology. There was not enough room allocated for the partners to be able to leave their stuff behind. Right. You know, because you that's that's the nature of the partnership. So did you address things such as that to ensure that there is sufficient administrative space so the community partners can really be effective in, in what they're doing and also for technology.
4: Thank you for illuminating that issue, which is a core design issue and really important 1. Um, I believe that we have. Uh, we have worked in partnership with the, the core community stakeholders as well as different folks from wreck and park division. So our permits and property management staff, our IT staff our um, operations folks who supervise the gardeners and custodians. So, um, what we've really learned from this project is it may be hard for someone who manages the gardens and custodians to say, we need 1200 square feet for landscape storage and it has to be wet, dry, separated. But they can look and say, well, I liked this about Kimball, but I didn't, or I like this about Bodecker and I didn't. So, um, I believe that we are, you know, in terms of lighting coordination, security cameras. Um, do you want to. Do you want a projector and screen or do you want a, a TV monitor? I think we have done a lot on that front.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. The final question is um how are you going to keep the building clean?
4: How are we going to keep the building clean? So
1: we have, outside and inside.
4: Right. Yep, excellent question. So we have some Rec and Park standards that our structural maintenance yard uh, works with us on in terms of for example um, yeah, replacing the structure, the roofing, the HVAC, all the bones of the building. So we review all of that with them and we've made some updates based on their feedback. And then the day to day, the gardeners custodians, it's looking at access for them is the mop sink in the right place, uh, etc And then also, when we're looking at systems, like, the fencing, it's a really important design move that the fencing be connected with the building, but our maintenance staff were really clear. You know, they, they can't have uh six figure fence panels from the other side of the world they need to be able to procure replacements um in a way in a manner that makes sense so we have looked at that. Thank you.
5: Those are my question. Thank you. And also using a lot of painted surfaces, because my understanding is that they a lot of the they handle graffiti or other things that happen is 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 just by repainting.
2: So um thank you. Good presentation and I appreciate the I appreciate the rigor of the building. Um, I think that looking at the frit again, could make a difference. Um, Landscape issues came up for me and there's some pros and cons with moving the entrance to Harriet, some good pros, but one of the cons is that the neighborhood uh, street sidewalk is really narrow. And I'm wondering if you can address that because when I went out there to look at it, Yesterday, there were some real problems with it. One, it smelled like urine badly, trash. So it wasn't really pedestrian and bicycle friendly in terms of the sidewalk itself. And then the tree pits were half size, kind of half in the street, half in the sidewalk. So it wasn't really friendly for more than one person walking at a time, not two people together. So Maybe you could talk about what your plans are for the sidewalk, especially if this is a primary entrance and needs to be a welcoming place that more than 1 person will be going into at once.
4: Thank you commissioner striker. Um, so we have looked at this, um, for example, the trees, I know the neighbors are having a hard time with trees because if they are are vandalized or removed, they often cannot be replaced because there's not sufficient width. Um, we we knew that we'd you know choosing Sixth or Harriet one or the other scenario we looked at Harriet and all the benefits. Um, also, I wanted to point out that we are really planning for visual connection and transparency into the site from Sixth. Um, in terms of the space here, we're meeting uh, with the Public Works Disability Access Coordinators and MTA folks who look at the parking zones. Loading zones, et cetera, uh, tomorrow morning, actually, just to review the circulation plan. Um, we are confident that the the scale of this. The scale of this space is still workable. Um, we're also coordinating with the Folsom streetscape project and the 6th street pedestrian improvement project. So, the 6th street project, for example, is envisioning a loading zone on Folsom uh, just north of Harriet. So all that to say, um. We think it's doable even with the narrow width. um. The Sixth Street sidewalk is wider, but it's also not a very wide sidewalk, as, as as much as you would think it would be. I think it's six feet, maybe. Uh, not her, yeah. So that's what I can offer now, Felicia. I don't know if you have anything to add. Well, and just thinking about how people will enter the site,
5: um, the we aren't we are planning for a white zone right in front of that entry plaza, and by swinging the gates. Toward the building, we create a widening of the sidewalk right at the entry so that if somebody is waiting to be picked up or somebody who's getting dropped off, there is a little bit more gracious. There's more space available at at that zone where there's the most concentrated activity.
2: Okay, um, other thoughts I have that I wanted to share. Um, it seems to me, I understand that it's a very small site for garden park use and you have picnic and other. But it seems to me that green spaces are really important in that neighborhood that the tree canopy needs to be rich in that neighborhood. It needs it. It deserves it. And so some of it may be on the sidewalk and some of it may be inside. You've got some trees proposed for inside, um, but it doesn't feel very green. It feels pretty sparse. And so I'd like to know if you might take a look at that. Um, I mean, even putting green vines on a wall could be a huge benefit to giving a sense of green and there's some problems with vines they tend to be more maintenance need more maintenance and they might need an armature but it could just really make that and if you have tree health problems because the tree pits on Harriet street are like two feet wide you're going to have some pretty unhealthy trees which you have so how are people going to know that that place. On Harriet, is the entrance if you don't have rich trees, if you don't have a sense of presence of the sidewalk, what is your. Thought about saying this is where you come in.
4: Thank you and I, I, w- I wanted to address the 1st part of those, um. Comments, uh, questions and comments so bottom left here, you can see this. Is a PGE primary service enclosure? So that is part of our property, but we negotiated as hard as we could. Um, I think the color is not reading so well in this rendering. Uh, we wanted to have, you know, a green, uh, surfacing of the playground, but it's, it's reading a little paler than we envisioned. And I think the street trees are uh, a pretty good scale here, but I think the plantings inside are, uh, we envision them growing in quite a bit more, but I think we were conservative with what we showed. Um, in terms of your question about wayfinding, that has certainly come up, and I think you know having the lettering on the on both corners, both Folsom and Six and Folsom and Harriet to bring people in uh, will be great. And I think that the the trees on on our within our property on the Harriet stride side will be uh, quite large as well. And it was pointed out to
5: us through the design process that that currently the current facility has two entries. The 1 on on 6th street, that was just in the concrete block wall. There's also an entry on Harriet. The new entry will be roughly in the same place. And we were told that approximately 50% of the people who come to the site already come through that Harriet entry. So, this is not uh, as big of a change as maybe it seems on on paper.
2: Some locals know about it. Yeah, and 1
4: other thing that was a good that was a really great suggestion about vines and Jasmine, our landscape architect also suggested that for the wall above the basketball court mm-hmm. um, and we looked at it extensively with our operations team. Of course, we're not going to you know, attach to a neighboring wall, but we look at those green screen, different products and our operations staff were just really resistant because, um one because of rodent and difficulty maintaining but even more than that um they were saying that you need a much larger cut out uh open pervious area in the paving than than you would think so um i'm not discounting at all your request i'm just saying that we we did look at it and that that was the constraint but definitely point taken about the richness and, and making it as green as we can um, I don't don't want to put the landscape architecture team on the spot, but if Jasmine or Claudia, if you have anything to add, feel free.
10: Come forward if you. I, I, Commissioner Stryker, I completely agree. This is. A neighborhood that really needs a greenery, you know, connection to nature and, uh, for both, you know, all generations, but especially for children, um, you know, looking at the surroundings and where we are. So, nature connection is very important. So, as a landscape architect, <laughs> um, you know, I've fought very hard to keep the greenery that we still have. Uh, we, you know, hope to add more. We'll have to look at it. Uh, but the vines were considered, um. But, you know, for the reasons that Melinda mentioned, um. We, we had to take them out, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think it's it, I agree with you completely that this is. A a, a park that really should look like a park, but, but again, we have all these different programs. You know, the playground is also a very important need for the community, especially for school age children. So, if you look at the playground across the street, Victoria, which is. You know, has a sort of a younger age set kind of a play structures and it is underutilized. Um, so when we talk to this community focus group about the need for the play structures, It was really well voiced that we needed challenging more sort of, you know, school age after school age sort of middle school, you know, age, um. You know, 5 to 12 kind of, um, attraction that and we went through a process again, as Melinda mentioned, looking at various different types of, but they said, we really want a playground that looks like a playground, (laughs) you know, with a slide and we want swings. We don't want sort of, you know, nets or nature play. We want something that's um you know gonna tell we we deserve it. That's what they said. We deserve a playground. Um so so that's those are sort of the considerations. So yeah, playground is quite large. And so it does take away sort of the park space that you know the greenery that we we um you know we could have normally in another setting, but um so it's sort of balancing act of different needs. Um but definitely you know the Harriet side. Um Maybe the renderings, the scale of the drawings right now, as Melinda said with the green, it doesn't pop up as much, but we 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 will have greenery um, as part of our, our palette. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, there's a comment i'll I'll let you make.
1: Well we're having a change in climate. So what are the temperature gradients going to be for kids playing in that's a huge service. um. So, how are you going to address? That?
4: Excellent. Um, can I, can I provide 1 more response on my mind? So the. I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but there are a lot of structural constraints. The soil on this site is terrible. So 1 thing we're looking at. Um, to be more sustainable and to save money is to actually, whether we can use the the existing slab foundation of the existing building to anchor, at least a large play structure, um, in terms of trees. Our operations team are really clear that they, they really cannot maintain trees and plants right in the playground without a large wall. And basically the whole site is going to have this lightweight cellular concrete. Underneath the surface that everyone sees, um, to try to mitigate settling over time so um i'm not at all trying to be defensive but just telling you that we want as many trees as we can but um there are structural constraints Uh, regarding your question commissioner collins about the temperature gradient um that's a great one we have um looked at the materials i don't think we've studied the specifics of the temperature gradient um we did look at sun and shading because some, some communities for projects want more shade in the playground and the community members you know, basically said, we want play value. and It doesn't get that that hot.
2: Here's a follow up question if you don't mind, um, I know that you've considered the canopy of the trees and the tree species, but these trees have a very small canopy in terms of width. And maybe you can address that. I'm, I'm sure that you've discussed that in your office when you're planning. This is there a reason that there isn't a broader canopy on some of the trees that might give a stronger green presence to this park.
4: And I could ask Jasmine for specifics. I, you know, to be to be honest and transparent. I think that the rendering of the tree size was done kind of quickly. I don't think it's super reflective of the canopy size itself, which is a learning lesson that that is an important thing to show. Jasmine, did you have any other comments you wanted to add?
2: Species, I'm sorry, I have it here somewhere, but um Sure I
4: can yeah. go over.
10: Yes please. So the the tree species, we have three major ones. Um olive trees, they, they do have a good canopy size and they are uh, within the park. And then, then we have the trees that are more um Um, you know, sort of a backdrop to that very blank wall that we see with the auto body house, so that we can actually give a nice green backdrop, you know, as you come into the park and have that sense of, you know, some greenery. So that's sort of how we, you know, looked at the, the, the architecture of the tree, so to speak. But as Melinda, and I think Felicia was also mentioning earlier, um the operations needs in terms of um the the recreation and park gardening staff they gave very direct and very focused input (laughs) to our tree selection because they're going to be maintaining the trees so we want to you know also again make that balance of yeah we want to we want to have a nice presence of greenery but we also want something that we put in to last so we got to listen to the maintenance folks who say well, you know, these are the, the green, but the understory um, and there is a, a list of shrubs that we mentioned in the next uh, page and my vision was also to really kind of again, thinking about what is sustainable and what is, you know, what's going to last after we leave. Right? So, all this plant power that we have as an understory sort of layers of green is mostly layers of green. Um, so that, you know, as you come into the park, and these are some, some of them are majority of them are in sort of raised planters. So that you know, kids are not walking through them. Um, so, they, you know, ability last. and of course, the, you know, native and, you know, low water use and maintenance concerns as well. Um, so, yeah, so it's sort of that sort of a plant design is what we were thinking of.
2: Okay. Thank you. That's helpful. It's, I it's a challenge. There's no question. It's a challenging site on many, many levels. And and
4: one other comment is that this area and the of uh, the corner, oh, sorry, the corner of the site, um, by Harriet, this is where that curved seating happens, um, and then the picnic tables. And so this is really envisioned to be kind of a a respite. If you know youth are having a conflict, they can come out here with the youth workers and sit. So th- this is really meant to be a, a lusher area.
2: Okay. See that. Thank you. Commissioners, other comments? Um and we have public comment.
3: Sorry, yes. Um, okay, so we will be taking in-person public comment first. For those joining in person, please proceed to the public comment podium. And for those joining remotely, please raise your hand if you're listening via WebEx. Um, if you're calling by phone, press star 3 to be placed in the public comment queue instructions are on screen. And we are currently on item 3 as a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking, you will see a visual timer on the screen and will receive a 32nd audible warning before your time concludes and you'll be muted. Once your time is up. You may stay on the line if you'd like to speak on other items. Anyone who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting can send a summary of the comments to be included in the minutes if it is 150 words or less to paris.coats.sfgov.org. And so now we're taking in-person commenters. I see we have one. Um, And your time will begin now.
11: Okay. First, I'd like to say good afternoon, commissioners. And I have a letter from um, Michelle Levis, who's a member of the neighborhood. And then I want to add a comment for myself. Okay, so I guess we get six minutes. All right. Um, Michelle Levis is a 20 plus year Soma resident, San Francisco native, and the director of community and family engagement for United Players and a member of the Friends of the uh, Gene Friend VMD Park. I am writing to support uh, of the Gene Friend Rec Renovation Plan. We have been uh, thankful to be part of this design process since 2015. We're also excited about uh, this project and offer our full support for the design and our appreciation for the project team, including community's participation and input. Our neighborhood has the least amount of public open space in a community that severely lacks for ba- uh, backyards and many live in, the- in crowded conditions. Our community deserves nice new public facilities. Like, every other San Francisco community, thanks for supporting this project in peace. Misha. And my, oh, I guess my, three six. and my name is Tim Figueras. Um, I was 1 of the original staff members for reckon Park when, when this, this park opened back in, um. Was it 1919, June, 1990. Yeah. And I was there till 2003. Uh, because then I went to run uh, youth athletics and I returned back uh, 2007 as a facility coordinator until my retirement in 2016. I'm also a member of the Bioneer and Equity Center, um, which is up the street and uh, I'm on the board of the SOMA West CBD and I'm also part of the SOMA Youth Collaborative and the Friends of Recreation Park and VMD. So, as you know, I've had a long relationship with that SOMA Rec Center. And I agree with a lot of the things people said about the park. Unfortunately, I was a Bessie Carmichael, but I wasn't part of the process that we built that, you know, that center up um, and I, too, support the park. Um, there's going to be a lot of challenges there. A lot of it's going to fall on wreck and part because staffing when you were there, I was part of a, a, a staff of 6 when I was there. I was me. And I had part time people so. The the budget the parking park has to deal with comes to the budget of staffing and good staffing, good programming. Makes that park a safe park. Unfortunately for uh, VMD at the beginning, there was no staff there. And that's why it came in and we formed the friends of VMD and we decided to populate the park more and it's now being used for a lot of things. Um, Bodecker had issues as well, uh, because I was up when Bodecker was up and, uh, the partnership that Bodecker formed, when it was a YMCA, and I think I forgot who the third person was, um, you know, helped that place out a lot. So the staffing is huge. No matter what park you go to, staffing is huge. Um, you can look, it could be the prettiest park in the world, but if there's lack of staffing or not good, strong staffing, that park won't make it. And um, and the last thing I want to mention, people the mention about the urine smell there's trees that on Folsom Street that at the time of the year it sheds and it causes that smell I used to think it was always ur smell yes and I don't know why those trees ever got put up so I just wanted to mention that because the city was the one who put up those trees so it gave the, the neighborhood and the park a bad name because of that smell so and it was no fault the, the Wreck- park, remember, to the the Wreck- and park the me but no fault to the Rec Park department and the staff of soma so, anyway, I too fully support um, the project because it would be nice for the people in that. They're a good group of kids, good group of, uh, I mean, I wouldn't go back being retired. I retired in 2016, and i still part of the Soma community because, in my mind, is my second community. Okay, thank you very much for listening to
0: me. Is there any more in person public comment?
3: Uh, okay, now we're taking online public comment. Um, I see one person. I'm going to unmute you. Caller, can you hear us?
12: Yes. Okay, um, hi. Yeah. Now. Okay. Uh, my name is Sean. Um, I recently moved to the neighborhood a couple of years ago, and I've uh, been going to the rec center uh, pretty frequently uh, since then for the past couple of years. Um, I usually go Tuesday, Thursday nights, and then on uh, Saturdays as well. Um, and uh, uh, first off, I'm very excited to see this renovation happening. I think this place is one of the best uh, assets, community assets in the neighborhood. Um, and I just wanted to highlight the fact that when I go, um, or at least when I go on weeknights, uh, the pickup basketball is incredibly popular. Uh, there's huge crowds there. I think it's one of the most popular places in the city for pickup basketball then, uh second, the uh, exercise room the weight room also gets used frequently uh that's why I go myself and there is a, a a group of regulars that go there um and it's very it's a very diverse group. It's not just like people you know who are very into bodybuilding or whatever uh It's a diverse group. you have older people teenagers women men um it's a you know it's a big group of people that go there. And uh, based on searching the Rec and Park uh, website, it looks like there's only four uh, rec centers in the city that have an exercise room. So I just wanted to highlight, it'd be great to uh, uh, you know, be able to add to the equipment there or kind of uh, make that uh, space a priority. Um, I also wanted to mention, it sounded like the outdoor uh, adult exercise equipment could potentially be on the chopping block. And uh, I think that would be a big asset to the park <laughs> Um, I know in the Golden Gate Park Panhandle, there's a new outdoor uh, exercise area, and that's very popular. I know there's another one in 17th and Folsom Park, I believe that's very popular. Um, I think if you add those to the outdoor area uh, and adults come and work out there, it makes the whole park look more inviting. I think it helps with the safety issue. Um, I think it helps kind of create the place more, it makes it more inviting to children as well. Uh, when there's, you know, people from the street can see, um, you know, adults using the area for exercise and whatnot. Um, Yeah. So I just wanted to highlight those uses um, because based on going there frequently, those seem to be kind of the most popular um, kind of uh, uses of of the rec center. Um, uh, Thank you for your time. And uh, yeah, that's it.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Any more? Um, uh, virtual public comment, please raise your hand. Um. I'm not seeing any, uh, so public comment is now closed.
2: Okay, thank you. Thanks for everyone who spoke. Um, commissioners, we have a project here that is coming to us at phase 2. And yet there has been a transfer of. Designers and a new site plan. I'd like to know if there's any comment about whether or not we should continue to review this, take this at phase two, or if you believe that there are enough. Comments and changes that you think that it should come back to us. After we uh, vote on whether or not it should be reviewed at fa- or uh, voted to approve phase 1. Or if you think we should move it forward at phase 2. Any thoughts on that?
6: Can I ask a question? Yes, uh, is is the project currently on budget, or is it going to go through another value
4: engineering uh, cycle? Or is that unknown? The project is currently very close to budget. I would say. Okay, so we've we've identified some additive alternates um, accordingly. Yeah. Okay. Thank you.
1: Yes, um, were were you to um, come back how. Long would that period take, and would it substantially impair your schedule moving forward? To Commissioner Rothschild's question of staying within time and budget,
4: I, I hesitate to say yes because it's a very loaded question. Um, we are intent; we need to move into construction document phase, Um, and I know that technically the. Threshold between phase 2 and phase 3 is construction documents. This project is a little bit different in that it's CMGC. So, for example, we'll be permitting the demolition and the, the, the foundation work while we're still finalizing. Um, But even just the effort for our team to um, compile the presentation is, is, is quite a bit. So we were intending to come in November, possibly December for phase 3. I would say that. I don't I don't want to give a round sounding yes because I think that's too strong, but I, I I would be concerned a bit about the budget and schedule impacts. Um, especially if there are loops um that remain open that um that we might get new or different feedback from this commission in, in you know in three or four months or two or three months. Um I did I did wanna make one follow-up to Commissioner Shares snares comment, excuse me, about Folsom and 6, just to point out, because the site plan, because neighbors had the same question for us when we talked about the. Change in the entrance, you know, did this have to go back to the Wreck and park commission, for example? And so we talked about the fact that we reviewed all of the design goals, the design principles in the program. So the, your question about the active. Nature of the corner Fall 7 and 6 that hasn't changed since the phase 1 approval from from this body. I think we, we are looking at. I, I definitely think that the comment, all the comments about the frit in the jail are, are well taken and we need to study that more. Um, but in terms of the transparency at this site, um. That is always has always that has been part that has not changed, I guess, since 2018. Okay, um,
2: commissioners, this is my proposal. So, I'm going to put it out as a motion and see if someone takes it up. Um, I asked for a pu- proposal, or I asked for a motion to approve phase 2 of the Jean friend recreation center with the designers coming back with, uh, Another pass another look more concentration. Uh, study of the frit patterning. Possibly the louvers, I would say louvers. That seemed to be a the vertical yeah the vertical louvers okay. and uh, a clear defined presence design presence at the entrance on Harriet Street. Do I have a motion? So moved. Do I have a second? Second. Um, all in favor say aye. Aye.
1: aye. aye.
2: Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes unanimously.
4: Good just a clarification. Is that an approval with conditions or? Okay. Okay. So we come back for phase 3 and we highlight all of those things
2: right. that you've asked to address those issues.
4: Okay, thank you very much
2: commissioners and staff. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great project. Great. I'm glad to see it moving thank forward you. at last. A lot of work. I'll just take all this. Thanks. Thank yeah. you for your yeah. Yeah, thank you. All right, um, let's move forward. We are now moving into item number 4 item. Number 4 is. Uh, YBI Hillcrest Road Improvement Project. This is a small project review, a one-pass uh, review. And this is a continuation of a uh, work that we did pass at Phase 3 um, for access to the Yerba Buena Island, uh, where there are very tall walls along the roadway. So we'll let our team present and tell us why they're back for more. Yes. And um, team, if you're ready.
0: <coughs> uh, team, you'll have ten minutes to present, and I'll give you a three-minute warning.
7: Uh, I'm Elizabeth of the Treasure Island Development Authority, or TIDA, which is the city of agency, and. Uh, We're very pleased to be here today for presenting the Hillcrest Road Improvement Project for your approval. Uh, This project is really a series, part of a series of projects that are intended to improve the vehicular circulation on near Buena Island, as well as enhance the bicycle and pedestrian access to and from the Bay Bridge. Uh, The San Francisco County Transportation Authority. Oh, thank you. Is uh is managing the the project on behalf of TIDA and it is all on TIDA land. Uh the project, the Hillcrest Road portion is adjacent to the West Side Bridges project, which was before this commission before and reviewed and approved. Uh Hillcrest Road improvements are funded by a grant from the I state's IIG program and which has very tight timelines and Though the design is not completed, we are here today seeking your approval so that we can take the project out to bid and for construction and meet the the funding deadlines. So, we have a brief presentation today with two speakers uh, Kevin Conger with CMG, the master landscape architect, and Musee Sasse, our selected artist. So, let me turn it over to Kevin. Thank you very much.
13: Good afternoon. Um, Kevin Conger with CMG. I've been involved in Treasure Island for 20 years and am participating in this project to try and help this infrastructure be integrated into the overall intent of the project itself and to just assist as much as I can. Um, This is a kind of existing conditions. There's a lot more. Built Now, as you guys know, the Tsujimoto sculpture sits on the top of uh, your island, which just opened um, the, the areas that you see in orange is the previous uh, bridge and wall project that has been approved by this commission. And what we're doing is extending that same design intent to the area in blue. It's about 1000 feet, a little more than 1000 feet. It's about the same scale as the area in orange, the, the height of it. You'll see in some renderings. It's about 30 feet tall at the highest point um, Then maybe. Six feet tall at the lower areas. Uh, here it is again. So you see the West side um, piece, which was previously approved and um, and the purple piece, which is the new area. Um, 1 of the, and this is 1 of the early renderings from the West side pieces that that you all saw the overall concept for Yerba Buena island is the, for the landscape is to restore the natural environment. It's it's being governed by a habitat management plan, which is removing. Most of the invasive species, like the eucalyptus trees and some of the ground covers and restoring it with plants that have been propagated from the island by ledge, which is uh, a group called literacy for environmental justice. They bring out at risk youth. They do collections of seeds, cuttings, and so forth. They have nurseries on Treasure Island and they go and back and they plant those plants back on on Yerba Buena Island. So, it's kind of a, it's a very low key uh, environment This most to be this intended to be mostly about the Um natural environment and i bring that up because as a design element um, these walls were trying to really integrate into the landscape as much as possible as opposed to say kind of a hyper graphic or some of something that was really meant to um, stand out so i just wanted to set that context um, and then hand it over to Musay to do some of the talking about the current proposal and i'm going to add that you'll see a few slides at the end of this show that were not in your previous package cuz Musay has been working uh a lot to try and uh, get as much content to you as possible, because what we're sort of asking you to do is to approve this project based on the approach. Uh, and the designs that we have shown from the 1st phase, which will be somewhat extended into this new wall segment But like I said, muse has been working to add, add a little bit more bones to that. So you can see really where it's headed. So yeah. tell me when to click and I'll go forward. Yes. Uh,
14: <clears throat> okay. Good, yeah. <laughs> Good afternoon commissioners. Thank you for having us. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the original uh, design concept, the narrative and the philosophy and briefly talk about how this new edition is going to seamlessly, um, be a continuation of that those same things. So, just, uh, the working title of this piece, you can go ahead to the next slide. Um. And you can go, yeah, you can kind of just circle through. Um, so. The working title for this piece is Bridging Horizons and the ethos behind Bridging Horizons is rooted in the project's goal of fostering a strong sense of placemaking within your Buena Islands Westside Bridge infrastructure uh, improvement project while also creating a contemporary art uh, work of art that seamless, seamlessly uh, integrates the island's natural environment uh, the artwork serves as a warm welcome and an expression of gratitude to the residents and visitors while enhancing the visual impact of the existing landscape uh, affected by the uh, infrastructure project itself. Drawing inspiration from the topography of the San Francisco Bay's islands, uh, the artwork features mountainous structures in harmonious regional earth tones uh, em- emerging from the sea separated by water. A rhythmic flow of colorful textured stone runs throughout the artwork, accompanied by a moon phase uh, ascending to symbolize the passes of time and the enduring wisdom and majesty and majesty of these natural features. Uh, honoring the land by depicting the, uh, by depicting a narrative of the land on the land itself Bridging Horizons is designed to seamlessly blend the natural environment of Yerba Buena Island while boldly standing as a structural piece of contemporary public art that encourages aesthetic exploration and embodies the essence of iconic placemaking for all viewers and uh, visitors to experience. So, as we look at this new, uh, additional portion, you can see that there is a little bit of technical difficulty due to me sending this earlier today. Um, but. So, if you look at the design compared to the uh, design that has already been approved, um, I'm using this opportunity to take advantage of the position of this wall. And allowing this wall to actually be a little bit more expressive of the narrative idea itself. So, if this is a, is this a. Pointer? Oh, yeah. So, um. The existing wall on, uh, the retaining wall that has already been approved, um, has a lot of these structures right here in this design and that's a way of. Creating this narrative, but also being true to, uh. The graphic nature of the wall itself and allowing it to, uh, be contemporary and also bold and kind of seamlessly blend. Harmoniously into the island, this area right here, this part, this expansion part is going to be more so above the actual tunnel of, uh. The Bay bridge, so you'll see this a little bit less than you are a little bit less from the vantage point of Embarcadero. So, a lot of the original design was taking into into consideration how this is going to look from Embarcadero and the ferry building and reducing any type of, um. You know, negative impact of this, uh, this project and making sure beautifully. Seamlessly blends into the into. The scene, and because, okay, this, if we can stop right here,
3: you have 3 minutes remaining.
14: Okay. Perfect. And if you can see right here, this is the beginning, probably the 1st, 500 feet of the new design. Uh, It's going to be a little bit more um, secluded from this zone right here. And I wanted to take advantage of that by doing a little bit more detail of the design itself. And within the design, I'm adding, um. As well as continuing this motif of depicting the land with on the land and depicting the islands themselves in this very, um, graphic way. I'm adding, uh. Designs of trees, very simple, um. uh, Graphic designs of like a redwood forest that actually breaks into this 1 moment right here, um, that depicts like houses on a hillside. Back to forest and then back to the rock formation design that is, uh. Apparent in all the other aspects of the walls. So, yeah, utilizing this design to kind of like. uh, Create more a little bit more of a graphic sense of narrative, um, compared to. Um, over here, which is uh, a lot more subtle by design um so yeah so basically the narrative will continue right along this way and uh stay true to all of the ethos and narrative that we have uh, already had approved so yeah and i can answer any questions about the design and thank you again for having us
13: clear these previous uh, phases were a little bit more visible from the bridge and from the water um, but this current phase is not so visible from the bridge because you're going the other way toward the city on the top deck. You can't see it from the bottom deck, but it's going to be experienced by the people that are driving on the road, coming around the island and they're closer to it. Hence the, uh, designers intention to have a little bit more detail intricacy, a little bit more going on.
2: Yeah. thank you. Um, commissioners comments, any comments on this.
6: Can I ask a question? Uh, sorry, uh, uh, who were were you the design, uh, designer for the original? Yes. Okay. Okay. So this is your extension. Yeah. Okay. Great. Got it. Scope creep. <laughs> Good job. Um, yeah, yeah.
8: <laughs> <laughs> um, for clarification, um, could you ex- explain the, the portions of this, the, the gray on the bottom? That's where the cars crash into it. So the, uh, or what, what is the lower part?
13: Is that is that what this is intended to be the part that protects the wall from the cars? Yeah, I yep. believe so. So, mm-hmm. that, that yep. is,
14: um, so, uh, that is a part of the design that is built into the wall that I was uh, advised not to design on top of. So, um, from my understanding, it's the, yeah, the structural barrier between the street and the wall itself. Three
13: feet tall.
8: And, and that's the standard Caltrans sort of angle thing that you see in the middle of freeways. Okay,
13: mm. all right, our boss back there
8: <laughs> <laughs> as I was approaching yesterday from the Bay Bridge, I could see big swaths of graffiti out there from the bridge. And so, hopefully it will only happen on those traffic barriers, but we know that it won't from experience. So. What you've done is quite extensive and is really a piece of art. So, how do you
13: repair that? Want me to answer that? Yes, please. So, Liz, who works with TIDA, is going to be in charge of taking care of all this and cleaning up the graffiti when it occurs and and working with the designer to patch it up and. Put it back so Titus is taking on that responsibility. Is that Right?
7: And that is, and just to clarify TIDA is a city agency, as I said, and we uh, contract with the Department of public works who has a whole graffiti abatement program. Um we did explore on the west side bridges project that was already approved the use of some anti graffiti coating and it was kind of determined that it it impacts the color too much mm-hmm. and so the way i believe and i'll let the designer tell me if i'm not saying this right but we decided against that and intend to just abate as quickly as we can and if need be you know bring the artist back to to touch up what's been what's been damaged so that's our plan it's uh you know the best we do, we. I'm surprised you saw a lot because we are pretty on it. Whenever we see graffiti, we try to get out there right away and and get it off.
6: What is the material of the mural? You said stone, is it the whole
13: concrete? Thing? Oh, concrete. It's going to be stained, trowel stained concrete. Wow. Mm-hmm. Other comments? Uh, Mr. yeah.
2: Uh,
9: I just want to say, I think this is a great addition. I'm really happy to see it. I remember everything went through the 1st time around and, um. Liz, I also want to congratulate all of you guys for being willing to work with us from the very beginning when we said, well, everyone's going to see this. We got to do something here. And so I just want to say, thank you for that. And Muse, I think that this is. A wonderful piece. It was just too bad that they're going the in the wrong way and they wrong that around. Rather they would drive like, you know, the rainbow t- tunnel and see it. But, you know, th- they will see it from other points as uh, more is developed there. So, um, I applaud you and I applaud all of you. This was never easy. And I thought that we
0: all have worked really well together on it. So, congratulations. Um, oh, go ahead. No, please.
6: Okay, um, so is there any possibility that, uh, uh, that there can be some kind of uh, transition in between the gray and the colored bits? I'm sure you guys have asked that a whole bunch of times, like, it, you know, maybe the lines extending down or I don't know who who's in charge of that.
7: But are you asking within the artwork or in the structure? It's a guardrail piece.
6: Well, to Patrick's point, I mean, I, it's just, uh, you know, that it's like the top part is clearly carefully designed and the bottom part is clearly a very uh, effective working piece of, you know, uh, transportation world. So is there any uh, possibility or discussion that there is a uh, aesthetic uh, merging of the two, whether the lines from the top come down or, you know, or uh, I don't know
14: um that's a great question are you an artist <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay Because like that's a, that's a very good question I have that same thought okay. um from my understanding the barrier the gray barrier is untouchable okay. um by, by law like law and by okay okay by road safety um however graphically I think I can work on uh a way to make a transition uh I'm up to I I would love a suggestion <laughs> it's it's You know, I could do like a subtle transition up into more color. Um, that's something that I think I would have to, you know, be. Working with the contractors to see if we can do something like that. Um, but that's something I'm, I'm willing to, uh, consider and think about.
6: Well, it's just a question and maybe maybe it's okay just the way it is yeah very clear line so
14: I had that same I had that same question and yeah I think it is that has to be um gray it's even see like I have kind of a texture on it that's actually not Not yeah that's it's going to be just like yeah just to say that
7: texture that looks like texture is actually I believe in the rendering light reflection it's a standard barrier that's on every
6: yeah no worries no worries I mean it's it's life and safety. So, uh, and know, it's
13: going to sit forward. Of the wall a little bit is that correct. Top, 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 top. So, there's a shift in the plane, Okay. which I think helps with the material color change.
6: Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, and then I guess, a uh, very small uh, thing. I, I. I really like the, um, the more, uh, uh, I say, like, uh. Uh, I mean, I like how abstract the redwoods and the plants are and I'm just. I wonder if there's like some, uh. uh like more of a scale transition somehow between the mountains and I'm not, to, I don't want to read it literally, you know, but there's there's like, because the trees and the plants are so big in scale, they minimize the hills. So I read them differently and maybe that's again, it's a subjective understanding and maybe it's not a big deal but
14: uh yeah
6: just tonight just a thought observation
14: yeah i think that's uh a really astute observation um i think in my general practice i'm playing with that scale a lot so i think it's kind of um you know it's like it's it's more it's yeah it's perspective it's you know moving from boldness to not i actually I'm interested in the scale, especially with the trees and the plants, because they're really referencing the roots of redwoods, which are usually um, very. Enormous in scale. So, um, Uh you know, like this. The scale of this, this is going to be Uh very large. Yeah, you know, this is, I think the highest point is around like 25, 30 feet. Um, so I, I personally really love the feeling of being maybe you're upfront with this kind of enormous um yeah. plant or structure yeah. or something like yeah. that yeah so yeah
6: yeah no I, I i definitely love it it's just more uh just
14: yeah you know if
6: there's something more to play with in, in terms of pushing that right know, like in terms of color like if the mountains fall back it yeah. but again i don't know what your intent is so it's not a it's just an observation it's not a anything else
2: commissioner collins did you
1: have any well i'm new to this project but i'm High in praise, um, I just think that. You know, the historical reference to almost the color palette of the Diego Rivera, right. whose origin story is on this island mm-hmm. is really beautiful. And without mimicking it, you've echoed it and you've kind of projected it in in a very subtle and subliminal way. And I think it's a, it, I'm looking forward to seeing it in place.
14: Thank you. Really appreciate those comments. Um, Yeah, I mean, Diego Rivera is a a definite. Idol in public art. Um, So, yeah, you know, a lot of the colors too, when I first was on the project for the first time, I was in the ground taking rock samples and I have in my studio, a bunch of different rock and, um, you know, I had a bunch of stain to choose from and I was really trying to create a harmonious. Color palette, but just really sticking true to those earth tones and, um, you know, I think that allows from the far view from when we're over at the ferry building, you know, it's going to hopefully blend in. It will and it's not hopefully it will blend in to the natural colors of the, the island itself. And then when you are up front and up close to it, you will be able to discover a whole narrative. Um. That I'm really excited about. So, yeah, thank you.
7: May I just clarify your question? Did you knowingly at, uh, reference Diego Rivera because he has a long history on Treasure Island? I didn't know if you were
1: aware of. Did it. Did I not aware of it?
7: Did, no, I'm asking if you are aware. He was as as the 1939 Golden Gate International Exposition. He was the artist in in action. Part of it's a, okay. Okay. No, I don't mean to be offended. It was just. Uh, oh wow. Well,
1: that's no, a great in, in fact, you know. You know, when you take a long step back from history and you really see um you know what color means and shape means, and you um make abstract the, the murals, they they tell a story. Um and this tells the story without telling a story. It's really quite I think it's a tour de force. Right.
7: Thank
1: thank you for your comments. Ask
2: for a raise. Nice work. Um and I'll wrap up the discussion by saying I I enjoyed a lot the presentation that you made before. I thought it was delightful and creative. And then I saw this and I'm like, oh, wow. I just kind of sat back in my chair and um, it's absolutely delightful, actually. It has an amazing presence without the being overwhelming because the colors are muted in the palette that's been described. Um and then it also has a little clayishness to it that's so just sweet. Mm-hmm. And um I just I'm I'm so pleased that you are the artist for this project. Yeah. It's been a challenge initially these tall walls and then you've come up with something really fantastic. So I applaud you for that. Um do we have any public comment on this project? Um all right, I uh, will be taking
3: in person public comment 1st, so for those running in person, please proceed to the public comment podium and for those running remotely, please raise your hand. If you're listening via WebEx, if you're calling by phone. Press star 3 to be placed in the public comment queue. Um, instructions will be on screen momentarily. We are on item four. um. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking. You will see a visual timer on the screen and receive a 30-second audible warning before your time concludes. Then you'll be muted once your time is up. You may stay on the line if you would like to speak on other items. Anyone who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting can send a summary of the comments to be included in the minutes, if it is 150 words or less to to sfgov.org. Um, so in person commenters, is there anyone in person who would like to comment on this agenda item? No, um, now online public comment. Is there anyone that would like to make a public comment on the current agenda item? I'm looking for raised hands. I'll give it another moment. Uh, I don't see. Any hands raised? Uh, So public comment for this item is now closed.
2: Okay. Um, Commissioners, do I have a motion to approve the small project review of Yerba Buena Island Hillcrest Road Improvement Project?
9: So moved. Commissioner Schneer.
2: Do I have a second? I second it. Uh, From Commissioner Rothschild. Um, Let's have a vote. All in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? Hearing none. Mich- uh, motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Thank you. Nice, you. nice job. Oh,
14: thank you so much. That means a lot. Thank you. Yes.
2: Yeah, thank you. We're looking forward to it. Yeah. Invite us to
14: the party. Right. <laughs> Look at the first invite. That, how, how <laughs>
1: thank
14: you. Yeah,
2: <laughs> right after this, I'm going to be on there. My. <laughs> okay, uh, next is item number 5, which is a presentation of San Francisco's new public trash receptacles. And we will have a discussion and possible motion to approve phase 3.
3: Oh no And no, um, team, you'll have 10 minutes to present, and I'll start the timer and you begin and give you a 3 minute warning.
15: Thank you so much. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners, Carla short interim director for San Francisco public works that's a tough act to follow. So I'm a little disappointed that we ended up at this stage of the agenda, but. I think we still have a beautiful uh, trash can to show you today. Um, I am here today with my colleague Lisa who is the project manager for the redesign of the city trash cans. And um, we are here for our phase 3 approval as the city trash can project received approval for phase 1 and 2 in September of 2020. there have been no substantive changes to the design since that approval. As requested at our civic design review hearing in May, we're back today to share more detailed information about the upcoming manufacturing process as well as our maintenance efforts. And I would just like to note, it's been a very educational for me to sit here today and listen to the previous items. I'm so delighted that you're so invested in maintenance. This is something that, uh, basically we do 24 7 and it is, um, we can't stop thinking about it, even if we tried. So it's really, um. It's really nice to hear that they're, that this uh, commission is also really paying attention to that. Um, so with that, I will hand it over to Lisa.
16: Thank you, Carla and good afternoon to commissioners. Uh, my name is as Azul, and I'm the project manager for the city's new trash can redesign project uh, today on our agenda. We're going to focus on 3 main things. 1st, we want to review the slim silhouette design and do a, a, a recap of the new trash can design criteria. 2nd, uh, Carla is going to provide an overview of the city's maintenance and cleaning programs for public trash cans. Um, and finally, we want to talk about our next steps for the project, uh, which includes issuing an RFQ, RFP um, request for proposals for to start the manufacturing process. Um, So, in May, um, I was here for phase 3, and I provided a pretty detailed presentation on the pilot program. So I'm not going to go into further details of the pilot program, but I want to uh, to provide a a recap of the new trash can uh, design performance that we want to see in the new trash cans and those criteria. Um includes the new trash cans being made of timber proof materials. Um, they need to be durable and easy to maintain. Uh, the new trash cans should also be resistant to rummaging and easy to surface. And uh, we also want to ensure that the new trash cans would be uh, able to accommodate a minimum of 32 gallons rolling toter um, <laughs> and also a separate recycling exchange area. Uh, the new trash cans, we are designing it to be aesthetically pleasing and it would become an asset to the city streetscape. Um, the new trash cans are also sensor ready and also cost efficient. Um, So, with the uh, pilot program and our own experience with the renaissance cans, we know that the um, slim silhouette model would outperform the existing older models um, because the older models, for example, the existing renaissance cans do not conform to the standards that we uh, previously uh, previously shared in the the former slide. Um, To just name a few, uh, the existing uh, renaissance cans are not um, have a very low uh, level of temper resistance. Uh, timber resistance, the locks and hinges do not perform well, and they are easily broken and damaged. Uh, the existing Renaissance cans also are not resistant to rummaging. Um, the large size openings, um, and the size of the openings, um, make it very easy to r- rummage through so someone can easily reach in and grab things out. The existing cans are also at the end of its street life. Um, The materials are no longer durable, and they're hard to maintain. So these deficiencies translate to higher maintenance costs for the department. Um, So, with the new slim silhouette model, um, they were designed to address these deficiencies. And also, we made it uh, make sure that the new design would offer new improvements, such as uh, easier to service. The uh, new trash cans would be able to accommodate a 32 gallon rolling toter, like I had mentioned previously, and uh, the rolling toter would be capable of being attached to uh, garbage trucks so that they can be mechanically lift and emptied the current trash bins do not do that. Um, the new trash cans are also designed to receive sensors. Um, and these sensors, uh, we have tested in, test them in All our right. existing pilot cans, and they have proven to be very um, effective and are very successful. These sensors allow us to know when the trash cans are near full so we can target servicing to those areas. Um, the sensors, you know, you know, be, and we would empty them before um, they become too full. Uh, so this avoids overflowing situations and also avoids having tracks around the trash cans. I think the sensors, um, you know, with the data that we collected, we also use it to predict trends um, to-so we can know where some areas might require more frequent uh, uh, more frequent servicing versus other areas um, might not require as, you know, it might be less frequent um, need. So the data that we collect will help us design pick-up schedules and modify pick-up schedules to uh, meet those ever-changing uh, demands. Um, in the pilot program that we launched last uh, summer, um, we tested six different types of trash cans, uh, three of which are off the shelf models. Three of them are custom designed by our consultants. And we received over 1,000 responses from public surveys. And um, it was it, the slim silhouette model stood out as the Claire favorite of the community members, as well as Recology and Public Works staff. The proposed new uh, Slim Silhouette model, um, we're going to use a high-grade stainless steel, um, t- construction, um, and so the, uh, that material is very durable and would make them easier to maintain, uh, you know, from the pilot program. We also learned that the slim silhouette offers other advantages, such as the uh, narrower footprint, um, takes up less space on sidewalks. So we could have more space for pass throughs. Uh, the single sided access actually makes keeping trash inside a trash can more effective. Um, in addition to that, the shoot shaped um, tunnel behind the opening makes it very difficult for someone to reach in and take things out. So, um. I'm going to turn over to Carla for her to speak about maintenance and cleaning.
3: And you have about 3 minutes
15: remaining. I'll go very quickly through these slides. Thank you Lisa. So basically, um, we. We have a multi-pronged approach to maintaining city cans. Um, we rely on calls from 311. Our uh, street and environmental services team is uh, always on the go, and so they are also keeping their eyes open for any issues around city cans. Um, and then we also have a steam cleaning program. So our own crews uh, steam clean city cans, and we have a workforce development grant that allows. Um, young and newly arrived folks to get experience, um, with a job and steaming city cans. Uh, we'll go to the next 1. So, we are a 24, 7 operation. We have a radio room that takes calls directly from 311 and they can dispatch to people who are in the field. So they can be nearby and they can quickly address any issues around these cans. Um. Litter pickup. So, as I mentioned, um, we are currently spending a lot of time cleaning around city cans. Recology will do a five foot radius, which is something we've recently renegotiated as part of the refuse rate process. Um, But we're really hopeful that the chute opening in the new can is going to really cut down on that because people will rummage for something and they don't put stuff back afterwards. So, we spend a lot of time addressing those maintenance needs. We also have, um, as you heard in the previous presentation, we have a graffiti program in house. Um, we also have contractors, so we uh, can address the graffiti. 1 of the benefits of the design is with the, um. You know, the slots they, well, they will still get tagged, um, but they are less prone to tagging than if it was a solid piece of infrastructure, solid piece of metal. And, um. I think that, uh. Power washing, I address. What's the next one? Recology. So, Recology is actually charged through the city contract with um, picking up the cans, uh, the, the servicing city cans. And um, it was important that we got their feedback. The rolling toters will make it easier and more efficient for them, but also protect their employees' backs. And as I noted, they're now responsible to clean um, 10 feet around each can. Um, the sensors will allow them to adjust their routes so they can be more efficient. Some cans don't need daily service while others need multiple times a day. So, this is going to allow Recology to be more efficient and it'll also ensure that we're spending our time maintaining the cans that need more maintenance. I do just want to note. There's no perfect can. And unless we had a force field around these, they they're going to get tagged and they're, we're going to have people who are going to try to rummage. We're going to have people who try to vandalize them, but. We really try to be mindful of the challenges with our existing cans, and to design as best we can to address those. And uh, it will—we will always need to do maintenance. Any can in any big city is going to have issues, but we are hopeful that these cans will be less maintenance, which will save us money, and we can spend more time cleaning the streets in other ways. And I'll hand it back to Lisa.
16: for on administra- oh, administrative certificate of appropriateness for article 10 landmark districts, we've also gotten an approval for a minor permit to alter for article 11 conservation districts. The funding for trash and procurement is also secured. So currently we're here today to seek your approval for phase 3 and we're also working to issue the request for proposal um, to start the solicitation and procurement process.
3: Oh, uh, your time is up, but
16: is this the last slide? This is our last slide. Okay. And I'll go really quick on the process of the RFQ RFP process. Um, so we're going to continue to work with uh, our fabricators who created the pilot cans to develop minimum qualifications and help us solicit and ensure that we have the best manufacturer identified to, uh, to deliver this project. We're also going to, um. To apply best practices that were utilized at New York City's Better Bin project were applicable to our project. Um, And during the manufacturing process, once we have the manufacturer on board, we will continue to work with the pilot can fabricator who will offer design and value engineering uh, services um, as we work with the manufacturers to ensure we have quality, durability, and uh, budgets are met. Um, And during that manufacturing process, we're going to ask the manufacturers to look at some design modifications that we had previously mentioned, um, including developing a high-quality lock and hinge system, reexamining size of openings, and also the recycling symbol design. So that's it for our um, presentation. Thank you so much.
2: Okay. Thank you. And I personally want to say thank you very much to Carla Short, the acting director of Department of Public Works, for coming and sharing your expertise on maintenance. It's wonderful to see you. Um, commissioners before we go into a conversation about this, and we did have a very lively conversation about it uh, in May. Um, I want to say that there was a meeting an informal meeting with, uh, Ms. Zhao and other members of the public works to talk about this can and there as she just described to you 1 of the issues is that they can't give us definitive information about every little aspect of it because it will be in an RFP and they have to define what they are looking for, the finishes that are durable, etc. So I just want to highlight that to you as we go into our discussion. So we don't necessarily have a completely defined product with every material and uh, finish yet. But one will come with the RFP. So, just making that clear. All right. So, I want to open it up for conversation. Commissioners' comments, please.
0: Any? Yeah. Any? Go ahead.
8: Uh, I'll follow. Okay. Well, I think that Commissioner Stryker just explained some of my my questions because otherwise, it doesn't see that, seem that much has changed since our last meeting. Um, we had assurances last time, and um the mock-ups sort of told told the real story about the, the maintenance process, that it had, had fallen, fallen through the cracks, it seems, and the power washing wasn't working. The the paper tags, you could still see the debris on them. So we were hoping we might get more information on that. And the hinge was clearly broken as well. And you're you're saying that these are tamper-proof. Again, that was a mock-up. And as Commissioner Stryker just explained, the RFQ will actually define how the, how it will be put together more clearly. Um, I think we all like the aesthetics of it. I mean, everybody seems to as well as your, your public outreach, but the maintenance is, is what alarmed us before and why we didn't even have a motion last time. And I'm not really clear how this presentation cleared up our issues from last time. Um, I do see the three pronged approach 311. Would there be actually, would there maybe be a note on the can saying if you, I don't know how you get that many words on it. If you see issues, call 311. The second one was Recology will clean within a five foot radius. I think that that's good. Too bad you can't always get a 10 foot radius. Um, and the power washing is. Really, the most important issue, probably it seems some of them would have to be power washed almost every day just to get rid of the paint for 1 thing. And then those paper tags, I'm not sure what kind of glue they use, but it certainly seems to be stubborn because that mock up. I still have the phones on my camera. I went by last night and I see it's gone, (laughs) but it's, it's a stubborn problem. And dpw I mean, like you said, that's a huge it's like some, some huge big. Cancer that's constantly attacking you every day you must wake up to to horror of what happened. So we want to make your job easier by coming up with the best possible can so that the surfaces aren't as easily tagged. If you bring up the photograph, we had talked about maybe the, the band on top is maybe so wide that it attracts them. And if we could have the, the, um sort of spindles going all all the way up but you said it wouldn't be structurally sound but maybe they could reduce the bulk on top to have less area to tack anyway i could go on and on but those are my issues it just doesn't seem that much has been resolved
16: I I want to comment on your points and your concerns about the um, pilot cans and how the hinges and the locks are not working. So, the purpose of the pilot program and the prototypes, it's not meant to we're not meant to create the perfect cans, but we want to create the prototypes So, we can study and learn about those designs and how they'll actually function in real life. So, um, you know, from the pilots and the prototypes, we learned what works and what doesn't, for example, the hinges and locks we know Work, Therefore, we're going to improve upon them during the manufacturing process and have an even more robust design on the design of the hinges and the locks so that they would work better. Um, and so, um, Carly, I don't know if you have more. I was going to say a similar thing that part of the, the reason why we went through the
15: prototyping process was really to test and field test. What, um, what was working with any of the various prototypes with the idea that we might be mixing and matching a little bit at the final product. And I think 1 of the things we did learn with this is, you know, the opening is not quite big enough for many carry out containers. And so we want to make it a little bit more, maybe oval, um, and a little bit wider rather than round. Um, so we fully intend to kind of take those lessons learned, um, in terms of the. You know the power washing is something that we do proactively the stickers are a big challenge it, it's hard to get them off um but i think one of the things we talked about with our maintenance team was um, other tools that we might use if these pl- cans were going to be deployed citywide that might assist them in doing the maintenance and so they had some interesting ideas for like pronged scrubbers that they could use um associated with the power washing that would fit in into the little slats and maybe help Get some of that debris off so, um, it's very much intended to be a learning process. And then, as we, you know, we, we can adapt, but they felt. Even our own crews who do the maintenance on every 1 of the prototypes, um. You know, all the different models as well as the Renaissance cans felt like this was the, the best uh, option generally as it performed.
0: Other comments commissioners. Uh, hi, I had a couple of questions for you.
9: I'm, I'm glad you started to address about the larger opening for containers, because I was looking at that going, they're just going to drop it right next to it. And, you know, and if it's windy that day, and it goes beyond the 5 foot or 10 foot radius, then, you know, it's. Trash is gone so, um, I think the larger opening is a really good idea. Um, and then. The other aspect is the smaller opening is for recycled, but basically you're looking at cans and bottles for that. You don't want any papers in there.
15: Correct. That's right. It's really designed as a recycling exchange so that uh, people who are going to collect cans and bottles and take them to the recycling center can easily access those. Um, and it's not designed for all recycling. Okay. All right. And then, um, the other thought I had, um,
9: you know, the stainless steel, You know, it's a lovely look and everything else, but it's expensive. So, and because this is all about recycling and environmental and stuff, um, when you're going through the process, why not see if there are recycled materials. That can be used instead of the stainless steel. I don't know whether there is or isn't, but just that thought and that idea if you're dealing with trash containers. Might be a wonderful way to go. To I would explore it with the manufacturers and in your RFQ, ask them what kind of materials, recyclable type of materials, can be used that would do and everything we need here according to this RFQ. Throw it out there, see what comes back.
15: I I love that suggestion, and certainly I think we will look at that. One of the things that. Um, that is one of those trade-offs is durability because I think you know one. we we did kind of a road show around town where we took questions about the cans and it was fascinating um how many people care about trash cans really heartening in many ways um, but I think people don't realize it it's pretty cost um costly and somewhat time intensive to install a can because we have to use you know a crane to get put them into place and then we have to have our cheap metal workers who actually install them to the sidewalk so If they can be super durable and not have to be replaced, that is a great, uh, maintenance cost savings to the city. So we are that was 1 of the big intentions behind the stainless. But I I love your idea about seeing what's out there in terms of recycled materials.
2: Any other commissioner comments. Um, I just want to say, thank you for coming back and explaining more about uh, the process that you've gone through. And, um, that, as you know, we are very interested in durability, so we are all on the same page in that. Um, so whatever you can do in your RFP to ensure the durability. I'm sure it's probably the 1st line in your. Um, ask in the contract. Okay, um, any. Public comments? Uh, I I'm sorry I wanted to. Oh, I'm
6: sorry. No, it's okay. uh, uh so. So, and thank you for all the great comments. I uh, appreciate that. Um, I just wanted to add 1 and maybe, I don't know how to translate this into RFQ, cubes. I know that you've done a lot of testing and, uh. Surveys and comments, but. I'm super interested in the size of the holes and how many there are. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I totally get that one hole of a certain size will accommodate recycling and various different sizes of containers. But then I'm also wondering, in terms of human nature, uh, if if you're approaching a trash can and one side is completely blank, will you just try and put the trash on top? Will you even know it's a trash can? I don't know if it's the ship has sailed on that, but um, I would be interested in understanding the. Uh, yes, both the. Uh, I don't know, the nuance of, of uh, human interaction with the trash can, and somehow quantifying uh, the sizes of what gets put into it. Uh, I, 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 I don't know how you would do that at this point, but um,
0: just a thought. I'm done. Thanks.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, thank oh, you. Uh, sorry. Did
8: did you have another comment? Oh, I I have a question. Would there be more trash cans than we currently have, or is it just sort of replacing what we have?
15: Um, It is the intent is really to primarily replace what we currently have. I will note we, we did a extensive um, study around trash cans in San Francisco. We have more trash cans in San Francisco um, than most cities, um, even though we're much smaller. (laughs) So, um. I think there will be an opportunity to look at placement um, and the sensors will allow us, I think, to decide, you know, if there's a can that's really. Hardly being used at all, we might relocate that to a place where there's a need for more. Um, but the primary intention is mostly to replace the existing population of cans.
0: I'm looking for uh, in-person public comment
3: first, so for those joining in-person, please come to the public comment podium. For those joining remotely, please raise your hand if you're listening via Webex, and if you're listening by phone, press star three to be placed in the queue. Uh, instructions are on the screen. We are currently in item five. As a reminder, time will start when you begin speaking. You will see a visual timer on the screen and receive a 30-second. Audible warning when, uh, before your time concludes, then you'll be muted. Once your time is up, you may stay on the line. If you would like to speak on other items. Anyone who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting can send a summary of the comments to be included included in the minutes. If it is 150 words or less to pariscoats Um, so for in person, public comment, anyone. Would like to make 1? No, uh, now looking at virtual public comment. I'm looking for raised hands. Um. I am not seeing any hands raised. Uh, public comment for this item is now closed.
2: Thank you. Um, so I will ask for a final vote to approve the San Francisco new. Public trash receptacles phase 3. The understanding that there's some unknowns with the RFP. Um, do I have a motion?
0: So moved, Commissioner Schneer.
2: Do I have a second?
1: So moved, Commissioner Collins. Thank you, Commissioner Collins.
2: Let's have a vote, please. All in favor, say aye. 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 Those uh, not in favor, say nay. Uh, say nay. Oh, <laughs> on the record.
8: Nay, um, I, we usually have a discussion before a motion, but um, we but did. I, I'm, I mean, okay, I, I just wanted to add a little word okay. up to it.
2: Okay, thank you. Um, and Commissioner Rothschild, do you have a vote? Uh, aye, aye, okay, so motion passes with one dissent. Thank you, mm-hmm. and thank you, thank you, commissioners, giving us your okay so let's move to our next item which is item number six, six and that's the staff report which will be given by deputy director joanne lee and i think she
6: why don't we handle restroom breaks
2: would you like to let's take a restroom oh, okay please oh uh, everybody okay. you got it sorry sorry about that <laughs> let's I take to a five try. minute let's take a five minute break and then
0: No, hold on, let me get your mic.
2: Oh, We are live again. Item number six, and this is the staff report
17: given by Deputy Director of Programs, Joanne Lee. Great, thank you. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Um, I just have a quick announcement. As many of you know, this is my last meeting um, with the Civic Design Review Committee. Um, I am leaving the Arts Commission after four years of service here. And I just want to say that it has been such a rewarding experience to both be on staff here at the Arts Commission but also to be able to staff the c d r committee. I didn't know that much about it when I started <laughs> at the arts commission um, but and I have learned so much from all of you, your wisdom and all of your thoughts and comments about you know how good design good urban design really makes this city, you know, so much more livable and such a beautiful city that we all love. So um, thank you for this great journey that I've been on here with you. I will really always um, check in to see what CDAR is doing. It's great to see the impact throughout San Francisco. Um, and so I wish you all well. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Well, can we give
2: yeah. Joanne Lee a round of applause? Yes. I'm sure there'll be other people who have comments um, in our little group here today but i just want to say joanne everything you've done has been stellar and you are so spot on with your advice in many many situations all kinds and um, i take your advice seriously and i've been very grateful to it and there's also been times when um You have talked me down (laughs) Um, when I have been rather charged up about certain issues or situations. And I just want to say thank you for your levity and your wisdom and um, (laughs) your intelligence, both emotional and brilliance. Um, And it's just been so nice working with you. I I really had a, a great time with you. And thank you for what you've given us and what you will continue to give to the city in your new job.
9: Here here. I <laughs> agree with everything you said and I'd also like to add that how you helped us to streamline some of our processes here and make our meetings so much more efficient and thorough at the same time, which I don't know how you're able to do that but you managed to make that happen. And I just want to say a huge thank you for that and how much I have enjoyed working with you through all this process. And when there have been thorny issues and stuff, you've been wonderful with your wise thoughts and ways of handling things. And when I needed uh, information, you were able to get it from other departments or explain to me how best to handle things. So I just want to thank you for all of
0: that. Um, And boy, am I going to miss you. (laughs) Joanne, I don't know where to start, but I won't be long.
1: Um, You've been um, the guidepost for so much for the four years that you have been here, you know, coming out in the pandemic, coming out of the pandemic with shifts of leadership and your steady hand on the helm during these periods of transition and difficulty, but also of acceleration. We never we didn't go backwards under your leadership. And I'm sorry that this is the last meeting that you'll have for here. And it's my 1st meeting. So we're, we're playing a relay race, but honestly, you know, Joanne, you are an extraordinary leader and your composure under pressure is remarkable. And you've had a lot of pressure and you've helped all of us to maintain a certain composure and it's often, you know, when, when we don't really know where we're going or, you know, that. The agendas are unclear and your ability f- to really shape you know, our commission through how we better operate as a team, but also in all the different positions we play is really exceptional. And so I hope that as with many people around here, that this is just a, um, um, it's not a goodbye, but it's just, uh, it's the next step in your really brilliant career that will get a chance to stay involved in your life. Thank you.
0: I'm, I'm fairly new to the commission, but it's been a pleasure to work with you wish you all the 1,
6: All one, two, three, four. I'll fifth
0: that. <laughs> okay.
2: public comment. Item number six.:
3: For those joining remotely, please raise your hand if you're listening via WebEx. You're calling by phone press start 3 to be placed in the public comment queue. The instructions are on screen and we are currently on item. Number 6 as a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking. You will see a visual timer on the screen and receive a 32nd warning before your time concludes, then you'll be muted. Once your time is up, you may stay on the line. If you'd like to speak on other items. Anyone who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting can send a summary of the comments to be included in the minutes, if it is 150 words or less, to Um I'm seeking uh, remote public comments now. Is there anyone that would like to make a public comment? Uh, please raise your hand. Uh, we are looking for raised hands on Webex. I'm not seeing any um, and public comment. For this item is now closed Um,
2: and let's move to item number 7. that is new business and announcements. Is there any new business or announcements that any of you would like to share? Is there any public comment about that?
3: Uh, for those running remotely, please raise your hand. If you're listening via Webex, if you're calling by phone, press star 3 to be placed in the public comment queue. Um, The instructions are on screen and we are currently on item number seven. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking. You will see a visual timer on the screen and receive a 30-second audible warning before your time is up. You may stay in the line if you would like to speak. Well, there are no other items. Um, Anyone who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting can send a summary of the comments to be included in the minutes if it is 150 words or less to Paris.co to SFGov. Dot org. Looking for raised hands in the WebEx queue. Not seeing any hands raised. And public comment for this item is now closed.
2: Okay, then that leads to our last item, number eight, which is adjournment. So, I think we should do that, that reading. This meeting time. is adjourned. Joanne, just to send <laughs> her out. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't
6: get to hear that. I was just kidding. For Joanne, if she had a here more time.